Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Wow, guys. What a podcast. I get it. I'm no R.J. Bell, but we had Steve Fezzik for a rare appearance on the College Football Dream Preview. Ken Thompson here, bringing it strong as always. A couple of nice crossfires there between... Ken and myself on the Utah-Arizona State game, and also the Malachi Crunch, what we like to call it here, two-on-one, me and KT, Ken, against Steve Fezzik on the Florida-South Carolina game. And then, guys, we made history. Obviously, Dave Essler's best bet, agreement from all three pros. What a dream preview. All right, speaking of BetDSI, if you're looking to add some excitement, make BetDSI.com your betting partner. Use BetDSI's live betting platform where you can watch all the events and even bet all the games till the final whistle. New members get 100% bonus match using the promo code BELL101. That's B-E-L-L-101, the number 101, BELL101. That's double your money to start winning today. Guys, why should you choose BetDSI? Well, BetDSI has been paying winners now for 20 years. It's the top rated on betting review sites. You can use your sports knowledge to make some extra cash this week. BetDSI has a very user-friendly interface and mobile site. BetDSI has the fastest payouts in the industry. Simply play, win, and get paid. Guys, BetDSI offers betting options for everything. You can bet on the NFL, NBA, NHL, boxing, all the other major sports, politics, reality TV, esports, virtually everything, including college football. This is the dream preview. You can try live betting at BetDSI where you can bet on games from start to finish, every play and every minute until the end. Again, guys, new members get 100% bonus match using promo code BELL101. That's B-E-L-L, the number 101, BELL101. That's double your money to start winning the day. I play there myself, guys, and recommend BetDSI if you want to add some excitement to the sports you love or any other sports you are watching. Once again, go to BetDSI.com, use the promo code BELL101, and get this limited-time 100% bonus offer to make some extra cash. It's only a game until you bet it at BetDSI. Welcome to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is R.J. Bell. That's right. This is the Dream Preview College Football Edition. We're already guys to week eight. And if you don't know by now, this is Brad Powers, not R.J. Bell. Brad Powers filling in. For R.J. Bell in the host role, and I'll still be doing some of the handicapping. Best bets at the end of the show. Pleased to be joined, who's sitting in my normal chair, the guy that's here each and every week with the 24-inch arms, the largest arms to ever enter Gold's Gym Daddy, Ken Thompson. Brad Powers, good to see you, man. You held on that uh, Notre Dame team, man, but my FC boys were coming. They were knocking at the door. I needed another five minutes to get you. Yeah, but you got the money, and we'll get to that here in just a second. But not only is R.J. not in, but Steve Fezzik is in, actually, a rare appearance by Mr. Steve Fezzik, who we're going to talk at the very end of the podcast. He actually was on a panel, the G2E conference, the biggest 
what, Fez, that's the biggest betting gambling conference in the entire world throughout the course of a year, right? Yeah, Sands Expo, a huge, huge production. Uh, they do it first class over there, and I'm looking forward to reporting on it. End of this podcast. Yeah, and Fez had to take yesterday off. That's why he's here today. A rare appearance by Fez here on the College Football Dream Preview. We're happy to have you. And then we'll, we'll see if we can have a crossfire between the real Steve Fezzik, who is here, and the fake Fezzik, who may or may not be here this week. But guys, like we do each and every show before we get into the podcast, we first have to recap last week's betting action. Hi, I'm Brad Powers. And if you've been listening to the Dream Preview this year, not been a good year for Brad Powers. Last week, Iowa, best bet for me, went down in flames, failed to cover by about a point and a half, a missed field goal early pretty much did us in on the Hawkeyes. I fall to now 1-5-1 and one on best bets. KT? Uh, I got fortunate there with Texas. They end up giving me my best bets, so I'll take it. was fortunate that SC came back and covered against Notre Dame as well, but as far as my bet of the year over at pregame, many apologies to those that took Hawaii and all those points. They needed a few more. They just got out of the gate slowly, and no excuses. End of the day, I lost five units on it. It's what I put game of the year, Fez, and you know, is what it is. It's not been a great year for me either, college football. Fast? I had Texas last week and got in the back door with the win. You know, how ironic you talk about our three best bets, Brad with Iowa, KT, you and I with Texas. And in the final minutes, it just basically comes down to a coin flip. Although I'll say this, Brad, I heard that you were watching that game, and even after Iowa scored, you shook your head and said, they're not getting this. No way they're getting this two-point conversion. I'm pretty negative when when it comes to my games. Very negative. In fact, I thought it was Katie bar the door. Good night, Irene. In the first half when Iowa missed a field goal, I thought, oh, my goodness, there's not going to be a lot of scoring opportunities for this Hawkeye team. You missed a field goal. And then on top of that, right at, right at the end, and I don't want to belabor the point here, but RJ's not here. I'm going to take advantage of it. <laughs> we won't be hearing this too much uh, in, throughout the course of the season, but Iowa had like a first and goal at the four, settle for a field goal. Not good enough. And that's not going to get the job done, and I haven't got the job done. We'll say this, Ken. Uh, I did lose to you in a bet, Notre Dame SC. RJ jumped on that, so that was not only my best bet lose, but I lost the biggest bet here because you guys doubled up on me. That was a loss. You wanted to say something? Yeah, I was going to say, I was like you with Iowa, and when they scored the touchdown, I walked out of the room. I had no confidence they were going to make the two-point conversion. I was just hoping to come back to see (laughs) 17-14. I saw 17-12 and them kicking off. I'm like, uh, all right, my negative feelings were good. You just felt like Iowa... it literally is like pulling teeth with them to get points. Got to give Penn State some credit, though. They they manned up defensively when they needed to. Yeah, and we're going to be talking, obviously, that Penn State-Michigan game at the end of the show where we have a rare instance, a double best bet. Double best bet. We hardly ever have like two pros. It's actually you and me, KT, on the same side of the same game here. Fez, before we get into the show, though, funny, I, you know, I, I would say this was a major upset. The fact that you're here after that monster bet, Arizona State, Washington State. Kudos to you. You $1,000. You went with the Cougars. Speaking of coin flips, another coin flip game from last week. Last team with the ball wins, unfortunately, for Fez. It was Arizona State. This is the upset of, of the weekend, though. The fact that RJ won that big bet, he's not here. Steve Fezzik loses that bet. 
and yet you're making a rare appearance here. You know, that two-teamer would have paid an awful lot because think about it. RJ was probably 90% plus to show, and of course I'm less than 10% to show up. So uh, 10 to 1, 10 to 1, that's a 100 to 1 parlay right there. I wasn't watching the end of the Wazoo game against ASU. All I know is I was looking at the scoreboard, and I still saw my team at the lead, and then my text, a text comes in on my phone, and um, it's like right out of Wall Street, Charlie Sheen. I don't know if you remember this quote when he buys a stock that uh, just totally tanks, and on my text it says, right into the toilet with that ugly you-know-what. Oh, wow. And that's Steve Fezzik on Washington State. All right, guys, let's not beat around the bush. Let's get right to it. Showtime! Let's get right to it here with a Friday game, a big time game here. It's not it's very rare that you get a team like the Buckeyes playing on Friday night. Ohio State at Fez's alma mater. And why is RJ not here for this? This is unbelievable. You want to talk about upsets. Ohio State a 28 point road favorite at Northwestern. Looks like uh, the guys just have a couple of leans here. I'm going to start with you, Ken, since uh, me and Fez are on the other side. You lean with? Yeah, I lean with Ohio State, and it's just a speed differential here, big-time speed differential. Now, in Evanston, if I'm Northwestern's grounds crew, I'm not cutting the grass. I'm letting that sucker grow for as long as possible. Uh, You know, the quarterback situation's dicey. Aiden Smith had to play against Nebraska come off a bye. Hunter Johnson's been less than adequate even when he has been healthy, but there's a good chance he may be able to go questionable with the knee. You know, running game, Drake Anderson. Uh, Gosh, there's just no offense. Uh, Best receiver out right now. Excellent linebacking core. A team that you were dead on when you said they went to Madison, that they were going to hang tight with Wisconsin, and they did. We look back, and Badgers, of course, two defensive touchdowns. Fortunate to win that game. A uh, very flat spot for Wisconsin and Northwestern played a very strong second half. Ohio State, though, when you have a J.K. Dobbins and then you have guys like Master Teague and then Victor and Hill and Olav and Mack, these guys all have better speed than anybody on the Nebraska on the uh, Northwestern defense. The linebacking core, they'll do what they can. It's a Friday night standalone game. That's good for Northwestern, but also Ohio State is going to go in there and say, look, it's national TV. You know what? Let's just show... Maybe not all our cards because we know Day is not going to show all the cards. We saw that in the opener against Florida Atlantic. But I think there's just too good a team, too much team speed that eventually they pull away. Not sure because it is four touchdowns. That's why just a lean. Fez, you're on the other side. You're on your alma mater here. Yeah, I leaned in Northwestern. And since this is a gambling podcast, I think I'd be remiss not to mention, I believe it was the 2013 game that was the bad beat of all bad beats for Northwestern, catching six and a half to seven points down, I believe it was three or four at the end of the game, started lateraling the ball backwards um, (laughs) until the ball went into the end zone and of course, Ohio State recovered for the touchdown, and Northwestern went down in that one. I think Northwestern's in its best role. I know they are here. They're an underdog, and they're playing in conference. And Fitzgerald's teams have been much better in both of those roles. Uh, historically, Northwestern starts out slow. And i got to tell you, too, if you look at Northwestern, some of their early season games are looking more impressive now. That game against Stanford, that ugly, ugly opening game against Stanford, Stanford some um, turned their season around. They're looking yep. pretty good. That game against UNLV, suddenly a 16-point win doesn't look like a given win now that UNLV went and won in Vanderbilt. So, um, And certainly 
the idea that they could play at Wisconsin, if you watched that game, they were able to hang in there physically and did not get run over by Wisconsin. KT mentioned it, that grass is probably going to be five inches thick to slow down the Buckeyes. I do think there's a correlation here. If you, if you can get away with it, dirtiest player in the game, I would try to parlay Northwestern if you bet them to the under. No guarantees anyone's going to take that correlated parlay. Under right around 49, so a four-touchdown dog with a 49 total there. I agree with Fez here. I'm also leaning Northwestern. But first, I got to mention some of these astronomical numbers for the Buckeyes. Ohio State, number one in the country, yards per game differential. They outgain their opponents by 300 yards per game, number one. Ohio State, number one in the country in points per game differential. They outscore their opponents by nearly 41 points per game, number one. Yards per play differential, the favorite wise guy stat. Ohio State, number two in that category. They out. Yard, so yards per play differential plus 3.6 yards per play, number two. Ohio State number two in ATS margin per game. They exceed expectations. Expectations being the Vegas line. Ohio State exceeds it by 17 points per game, number two in that category. Wisconsin number one. And then finally, on the other side, Northwestern, dead last in offensive YPP. Four yards per play on offense. That's dead last. Number one, three, zero in the country. So I got to love Ohio State, right? I don't here. And, and I think there's an over. This is the first game this season where I think you're starting to pay a premium on the Buckeyes. How do I, why do I think this? Well, it sounds like I've been negative against the Buckeyes this year. If you've been listening to the podcast, I've had leans and likes against them. But when it comes just down to my power ratings, I haven't had a huge discrepancy in an Ohio State game, either for Ohio State or against the Buckeyes. All year, I haven't had a single spread more than two points away. My power rating compared to the spread, this is the first time that's the, the case. And actually, my power ratings have this one closer to like 23, and yet the line's 28. Uh, I think this is where you're starting to pay a premium. This is the largest underdog role for Northwestern in any game in 13 years. Largest home underdog role for Northwestern in 21 years. Both teams off a bye here. Here's here's my thinking. Here's me putting on my thinking hat a little bit here, doing some speculation. If you watch Northwestern games, and back me up, KT, Northwestern doesn't have a good home field advantage. Why? Because teams travel to Chicago very well. But I And especially Ohio State. Ohio, Ohio State, State don't have Michigan a crowd. State, Michigan, yeah. Nebraska travels Wisconsin. there. And a lot of teams. Wisconsin travels well. It's like so much red in the stands. And usually Ohio State has a huge advantage. I, I think they'll, have, they'll represent well here. But I think with it being a Friday night game, instead of Saturday where you get that day to travel, that extra night, I think that might in, in, impact how many people from Ohio State actually get to Chicago here with it being a rare Friday night game. So I think that's a little bit of hidden value there. But again, just a lean. Why is it just a lean for me on Northwestern? Because of all those numbers I just said that says Ohio State might just be the best team in the country. Guys like me that do power rings, even the Vegas market just hasn't caught up yet to how good Ohio State is. Any thoughts, guys? Not for me to give a traffic report for the <laughs> greater area of Chicago, but I actually think it's significant. Anyone who's driven up on a weekend coming from Indiana, trying to get to northern Chicago, that is an absolute nightmare to try to get through Chicago or on the 294. We're talking like a six-hour drive turning into a 10-hour drive if you're trying to get up there on a Friday afternoon. Yeah, and that's why I think it'll limit Ohio State's crowd to a certain extent, but there'll be plenty of scarlet and gray in the stands for that one. So just recapping that one, Ken, lean Ohio State, Fezzik, and I, Brad Powers, lean on Northwestern. Any closing thoughts? Uh, I 
Yeah, you know, listening to you guys, I, I'm glad I, I'm not on this game at all. I can totally see Northwestern hanging in there. So that's why it was a lean initially. And on some of those games, you know, when it's a Tuesday and you're looking and you're trying to decipher, you kind of look and then when you hear other opinions, especially Fez growing up in that area, going to Northwestern, sometimes I'll take all that data in before I come back. Now, I did have a guy last week and said, you leaned on Michigan State, but then you ended up selling the play. And, of course, my wife hailing from just outside of Madison. Boy, did I hear about it again. Uh, Can't go against the Badgers. Hard to go against Green Bay in my house. But at the end of the day, there are going to be times on this show that I may not be opinionated definitively as far as where my money is going on a specific game. So if I lean, and my response back to this gentleman was, look, if I leaned on Wisconsin, and then came out and sold Michigan State, then I can understand you bitching at me. No problem. But if I lean on a team and then end up playing them and selling them as a play at pregame, I was leaning that way, and then there was something that put me over the top to get me on it. Now, hindsight's twenty twenty. Couldn't have been more wrong. Thank God the game stayed under, and Fezzik gave me the under 41 uh, or 40 and a half, whatever it was. But at the end of the day, that, I'm just trying to clear the air. I will never lean on a side and then play the other side unless something drastically happens. And then I will make sure that all my players know the reason that I switched. That's a, a great point. I do want to emphasize, I do, there are going to be times, it's rare that my initial handicap is, has me leaning to one side and then I'll like the other side. And I'll be honest here, there are games where I would even like a side and then by game time, I'll like the other side. But because of the industry we're in, I absolutely refuse to give out the opposite side of a game I've already given out. So what I typically do with my clients in my write-up, if you bought my play, I will come in and say, you know, guys, I've got some trepidation about this one, and I'll explain them, less optimistic and the like. And that's very rare. But let's face it, information changes in this business, and there are going to be times, um, just to use one more Wall Street quote, you know, where oh, they say, geez. the stock's going to Pluto, and Charlie, it, it's great, and Charlie Sheen says, dump it, dump it all. If you can tell, substitute teacher effect, <laughs> Fez going on Wall Street quotes, no R.J. Bell here, get him in, guys, R.J.'s going to be back next week. That is Steve Fezzik, that is Ken Thompson, I am Brad Powers. All right, we got a Friday game done. Let's, how about the, instead of starting off slow here with leans, because we just had a game with a bunch of leans, how about let's start hot and heavy with some crossfire here. And the next game, it's a, it's a big one, one of the biggest ones of the weekend, ranked on ranked matchup here. Arizona State, Utah, and the crossfire in this one. So, and sorry, guys, I'm not going to have as much drops and music as RJ does. I, I just went through the machine here. We had like 300 drops. I can't find the crossfire music, so I apologize for that. Uh, Ken, it's between you and me here, the crossfire Arizona State-Utah. I'll let you go first. You like who in this one? I like Utah, and I'm a big Kyle Whittingham fan. There's no question. This guy's one of my favorite coaches in college football. Their only loss to my favorite team, USC, and I thought Utah was going to get SC. And they planned. They watched film. They were ready. Keaton Slovis, the youngster, they're going to take him out. Well, that's the problem. They took him out. They literally took him out. Second play, he's done. He's gone. Who the hell's Matt Fink? This guy comes in, hasn't thrown a pass. This guy steps back there, just starts wheeling and dealing. No pressure on him, really. And I think Utah was kind of like stunned that they knocked out the starting quarterback. And then all of a sudden, this comes in and literally beats him. And Utah, you know, they struggled by the time they got off the mat in the second half where they were rushing the ball very consistently and SC couldn't rush for anything. If you look at that box score, you'll say, like, how the heck did Utah not win this game? Well, they didn't. It's their only blemish on the season. But they still have everything in front of them. I feel 
if they run the table, that Southern Cal is going to drop another game. SC has the one loss to Washington already inside the conference, Brad. Uh, they did beat Stanford, and I know they've lost uh, two other games, right? SC, or they're three and two. They're sitting three and two SC's right now. SC's three and three. Lost to Notre Dame, BYU, and Washington. BYU, that's, there's the other one. Okay, so they lost two non-conference games. I feel that SC could lose another game in in the uh, in the Pac-12, and it, it may be against you know one of the teams from the North, but I definitely feel SC could lose another game. I feel Utah is good enough to run the table, and the defensive pressure they've got to get it going. They're still not doing what we thought they were going to do, and that was sack the opposing quarterback consistently. Now, when you go against a, a Washington State, you know you got Gordon; he's going to get rid of the ball rather quickly. I like this Utah team. I think this is a perfect matchup for them. Eno Benjamin to me is a very be, uh, slightly better than average runner. I don't. Th- I, I think Jaden Daniels is good. I think he's pulled some stuff out of his ass. You know, in East Lansing, fourth and thirteen, somehow he gets a first down there. Let's take that game away. Let's say they lose that game in East Lansing. How good do we have ASU rated? They got the W, so I think market sees them as a better team getting that win. But now let's look at Michigan State. What have they done? They go into you know Wisconsin. They get annihilated. Utah to me is a team that definitely has the chance to go 11-1 and one on the year. Tyler Huntley, very solid. They get Zach Moss back last week. What does he do? Five carries, 121 yards, two touchdowns. They have Wilmore, Brumfield, and Green, three other good running backs, and a defense that I think is going to be able to eventually pull away. It's an Arizona State team that I respect the defense. I respect the coaching staff. I think Herm's done a great job there. I think that the defense is solid, but it's not Tempe. They did lose their only game, by the way, to Colorado in Tempe. I just think Utah's going to pull away. They're going to get enough pressure on Daniels, keep him inside the pocket, and I like Utah to win this game by double digits. And the spread's 13 and a half, so I got to win it mm. by two touchdowns or more. I think I get it done by about 17 to 21. Yeah, spread being 13 and a half, that's going to be the key reason why I like Arizona State here. Herm Edwards. I was very anti Herm Edwards when he got hired at Arizona State. I think I was square. With you that bet under opinion. under five wins, I believe. Five and a half wins. Last I don't year. think you were cashing that when you I went to their bowl it. game that, that was, year. That was a thousand dollar loss and, there, and it went down to four or four and a half. That went yeah, down. it went down to like four and a half wins. So not only you know the whole market was anti Herm Edwards. Big thumbs up to Herm Edwards, which is crazy because you look at a lot of these second year coaches. How's Chip Kelly doing? How's Scott Frost doing? Uh, you know, Chad Morris at Arkansas, these are all in the same class and people that were like Harold Hires not doing so well. Willie Taggart, Florida State, not so good. Herm Edwards getting the job done. You know, and one thing I got to tell you about Herm Edwards. So I saw there was some report on, on he was addressing his team and they had some kind of huge flood issue, okay? And they show like one of the janitorial people cleaning up everywhere after the flood. And he says, team, I want you to look at this lady right here. That's someone you want on your team who's like stayed till midnight cleaning it up. And I was so impressed that he used that example of team unity. He's getting the job done. He's doing a good job recruiting because the highest rated quarterback recruit they've ever had, Jaden Daniels. And that's going to be part of my handicap here, why I like the Sun Devils. Let's talk a little bit about Herm, who I think's brought kind of an NFL approach to the college game. And, the, I, I, and Fez, back me up here, a lot less variance in NFL compared to college, right? <laughs> uh, just just a little bit different. Just UNLV beating Vanderbilt outright, and I get I always use that poster child, the one year UCLA won at Texas as a ten point dog. What was that? It's like seventy to ten. Yeah. Yes. So check this out. Last sixteen games for Arizona State, thirteen of them decided by seven points or less. Thirteen out of sixteen. So to me, that says, hey, I don't want to be laying a lot with Arizona State. I lot of the game against Sacramento State where they're laying a big number and it's new, fighting tooth and nail in the third quarter of that game. 
or I want to be betting Arizona State when they're getting more than a touchdown. Mm. In fact, in two years, Arizona State's only lost one game by more than a touchdown. There's a bowl game, Fresno State, when you know their best player bailed on them. Wide receiver Nikhil Harry ended up going to the Patriots. So only one time has Arizona State in two years lost by more than a touchdown. Almost all of their games decided by seven points or less. That's why I like the Sun Devils here. I also like their quarterback, Jaden Daniels, who's already went on the road, beat a ranked Michigan State team. I get it. It was fluke. I watched that. But who made the play? At the, who made the couple plays at the end? They only had basically one drive that whole game. It was the final drive where Jaden Daniels scrambled for a fourth down and also scrambled to get a first down on a third down conversion against a very good Michigan State defense. Michigan State's offense sucks. Defense is elite, just like Utah's. And also went on the road against another good defense in Cal. I get it. Cal's offense sucked, lost their quarterback. But, again, it's Jaden Daniels making a play, making a drive in the second half of that one. I I just trust him. I don't think he's going to be overwhelmed here. I like the Sun Devils here getting 13-and-a-half. Any thoughts? Closing thought is it's going to be about 35 to 40% chance of rain. And this is more Utah's style of game. If you watch the game against Wazoo, it was that same type atmosphere, and they kept opening it up, taking care of business. Yeah, 15% mile-an-hour winds as well. So, you know, one thing about that, I always feel like when you get that bad weather, well, that's going to hurt the Arizona State team. But then again, they are the 13.5-point dog, so it will help them from that perspective. What I find interesting in the marketplace, this is very rare, and it goes to there being two sides to this game. The market's dealing 13 and a half. I just looked at some of the prominent Vegas books dealing the bigger limits. There's 14s and there's 13s. So there's one betting group that's laying 13 and a half, and there's one betting group that's taking it because of that disparity in the numbers. And if you are live wagering this game, Brad, I think you bring up a great point. Little uh, in your tickler file, Arizona State, go ahead and bet against what may be occurring early in the game, and they'll come back to the mean. Mm. You know what, Brad, when I yeah. watched the Utah game at home against Washington State and I was on Utah, you know, always leery of Washington State's offense, that they're going to be able to answer scores. And Utah clamped down on them. I mean, that was amazing to see them literally shut them down. 31-13, I think, was the final. To hold a Wazoo 38-13. So to hold a a Wazoo offense to 13, and they got those points rather quickly, I was really impressed. And so I'm just wondering, because I watch Arizona State. I just, I mean, Ayuk's a great receiver. Daniels will get him the ball sometimes. But Benjamin, to me, is a guy that's 3.3 yards a carry at best. Yeah, and he struggled a little bit this year, although got going a little bit against Washington State last week. Fez, did you have any thoughts here? you just passing? I am passing the game completely, but I like the live wagering opportunities. All right, that's Steve Fezzik. That's Ken Thompson and Brad Powers. Week 8 of the College Football Dream Preview. Wrapping up a little crossfire. So, Ken, you and I, a couple hundred bucks there. Oh, yeah. There's, no, right. there's no question there. I, I, you know, Again, the weather, I think, comes into play. I will say this. If, if you get one of the first two scores – you could be in that game for a while. I think if Utah goes up 10 nothing, 14 nothing, I think they expand, and all of a sudden ASU goes, wow, we're in the wrong element. Let me tell you something. Rice-Eccles Stadium is one of the best home field advantages. People have no clue that haven't watched Utah football. That place will be rocking and rolling. Ask Wazoo. They know all about it. That's Ken Thompson. Moving along here quickly, game three here. And, again, I like getting the show started with a little bit of action here. And speaking of action, we got some here. Longtime listeners, Malachi Crunch. Again, I don't know where the drop is. I'm not going to spend 20 minutes trying to find it among the 300. But next game's Florida, South Carolina. And we got two guys that like, like Florida. One guy that likes South Carolina. Right now, Florida is a six point road favorite. 
That guy that likes South Carolina who's up against it here is none other than Mr. Steve Fezzik. Why do you like South Carolina, Fez? Like South Carolina for several reasons here, Brad Powers. South Carolina off a huge upset against Georgia. Uh-oh, will there be a letdown spot their next game? And so pulling back the curtain on how pros handle these big upsets. You pull a big upset like that and you go on the road again, typically you get blasted. But when you come home... Now you're in a home underdog momentum situation. You get a much bigger home crowd advantage. And let's face it, what team has underperformed in college football by a large margin over the past five years? Certainly South Carolina comes to mind that they have disappointed their fans, and I expect that there will be a much bigger home field edge than typically for this team. And let's go back to that upset. KT, you saw that game in depth. You know what happened. Basically, Georgia got beat two, three times in that game. At the end of the game, it's fourth down. Uh, Georgia overthrows their wide receiver. The game's over. Oh, here comes this yellow canary flying out of nowhere. Remember the Titans flag. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, they gift a touchdown for Georgia. No problem. South Carolina moves on. They're going to win. All they got to do is make a chip shot field goal. Oh, kicker misses. Well, that's it. Now Georgia's going to win, right? Wrong. Georgia still finds a way to lose the game. Okay, Georgia's All-American kicker misses the kick, but the bottom line is Georgia's offense got stuffed by South Carolina before that. Head coach Muschamp says, hey, our our, um, freshman quarterback has a sprained knee. We expect him to play. Obviously, it's important that we have Helinski. Am I pronouncing that correct? Helinski, yep. Yeah, so he's probable. I expect him to play. I take the coach at his word, and let's go and take a look at their opponent, Florida. What have they done the last two weeks? Well, an all-in game against Auburn where they played very, very well. And then they played well again at Death Valley, LSU. How much gas is in the tank, I have to ask you, off of those two back-to-back games? I'm on South Carolina. Ken, you're on the other side, like Florida. I I really thought that Kyle Traska grew up against LSU. Yes, they didn't cover the game. End of the day, I was on LSU. Very, very fortunate because Florida could have scored in both of the last two possessions, but did not. And that ends up giving the Bayou Bengals a rather faulty cover there. But I think this Florida defense will now be able to take a team apart that is rather uh, vanilla as far as offense. They don't have a great offense. Yeah, Helinski's back, but it's a knee problem. So if he's not 100%. Against that Florida pass rush? Mm. That's what I'm saying. That's not good. No, I'd rather exactly. probably start Joiner. That's what I'm Well, I'm, I'm saying. Helinski, though, to me, is a guy that puts the ball on the money. As far as passing, I didn't see enough of Joyner. He threw for 123. He's rushed for 77. Yeah, he gives him a dual threat. But Florida loves guys like that that can't throw the ball accurately. They're going to pick him apart. They're going to pick off the ball, and they're going to end up getting some turnovers. I like P. Ryan and Jones out of the backfield. I really think the tight end Pitts is a guy that's going to have a big game, you know, 108 yards on five catches in that game against uh, LSU. That's big time. And their linebacking core led by Reese is outstanding. How about zero sacks on Burrow? You don't think they're smarting to get back into the sack attack? They've got 26 sacks on the year. South Carolina, yeah, it's still in the eastern half of the SEC, so you got to be refocused. You can't just rely on, you know, hey, we got the win against Georgia. And Fez is right. Going back home is a good thing, except that it's such a monumental team over a team that's been in the playoff the last two years. Everybody there all over Columbia, South Carolina, they're all patting them on the back. Hey, you guys, it's incredible. They're thinking we're up here. Florida's going to bring them back down here. I think Florida definitely wins by a touchdown or more. It's going to take a while to uh, get the crowd out of the game because that's a great home field advantage South Carolina has. But I expect Florida to make some plays, get some turnovers, open things up, and I really like the way Trask has matured. So I'm on Florida, minus the six. And I'm with you, KT. I'm on Florida as well. And 
I think the misleading final for South Carolina creates some value for this week. I know you guys think that, you know, South Carolina deserved to win that game, but I'll hark to this guy, and he does a great job for ESPN. He is the main college football analytics guys, and he does advanced box score metrics that looks at scoring. I mean, just goes five steps deeper than even guys, even professional guys, handicappers do by doing advanced analytics. He gave South Carolina after that final, just punching in all the numbers, an 8% chance to win that game. Eight against Georgia, and yet they won. Here's the only thing that I'll say about analytics is they don't take into consideration a big-ass touchdown return, a long interception return. So why Georgia's putting up these offensive numbers and then all of a sudden interception return, their offense is right back on the field again to put up more offensive numbers. South Carolina, they're, I'm just saying, you've got I to get take that. that. That's major, man. I get that, but, I mean, it wasn't just that one play. It was, I mean, Jake Fromm and scoring opportunities, fumbling just a snap. You don't think that's luck? How many times Jake Fromm fumbled on a snap? In fact, Jake Fromm hadn't thrown an interception all year through, what, three? Three in that game. Three interceptions in the game hadn't thrown any all year. I mean, you can't tell me Notre Dame's defense isn't as good as South Carolina's personnel. It's at least close. So that misleading final where I thought Georgia Georgia shouldn't have covered. I mean, it deserved to be a close game, but I don't think they should have lost the game. And on top of it, I went against Florida last week, and I felt very fortunate to catch a ticket against Florida. They impressed me, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. So you and I got into it on the uh, Straight Out of Vegas show uh, as far as Georgia. Because I don't think they're a playoff team. I just don't see it. The receiving core to me is very, very weak. I thought they were going to be able to mature and these guys were going to be able to pick it up. After Holloman got booted off the team, that left them nobody really with experience coming back. Look, you got Swift. He's an outstanding running back. But it's from holding on to the ball too long or getting it out to the running back safety valve. There's just nothing going. Like, I don't see any deception. I don't feel like that offense is just going to score. Like, when I'm watching Bama and I'm watching Tua and all these receivers, I'm feeling like they can score anytime. When I'm watching Clemson, even though they've struggled and Lawrence doesn't have the best numbers, I feel like they can score on it. I don't feel that at all about Georgia this year. Fair enough. And, and But, again, I mean, Georgia being bad uh, in your instance should, should help the Florida case here, right? If you think Georgia's overrated, okay, that's South Carolina. Big win, at least everyone's considering. Hey, Georgia's oh, yeah. a national I, I, title contender. I'm with you on Fair on enough. Florida, no question. So I actually think you, our disagreement on the Georgia, how good really is Georgia, the fact that you think Georgia's overrated is going to help me at least this week in the Florida handicap. And on top of Florida against LSU, I mean, last two drives inside the LSU five-yard line, zero points. Probably should have covered that game. And, and to me, it was all about Kyle Trask. You mentioned a little bit KT. I'm going to throw this out here because I'm going to throw a lot of theories out here. I got to if RJ's not here. Maybe not story time, but theory time. Kyle Trask and and Emory Jones, the way Mullen was using them last week. Would you say that combo is better than anything you've seen out of Felipe Franks the last couple years? Oh, no question. That's what I was thinking, too. So Felipe Franks, for those of you who don't know, he's a starting quarterback for Florida, been the starter last couple years. One of the most inconsistent quarterbacks Yeah, he's out for the year. Very, very high. We talk about variance. Very high, very low. But I thought the Florida quarterback position, the way Mullen handled it last week, was as good as quarterback play as Florida's had. Forget the last couple years, probably since Tebow was there. When you consider they're on the road at night, Death Valley, first road start for Kyle Trask, that was a major thumbs up in that game for the Gators. And I get it. Fez's argument was ah, they don't have much energy. They do have a buy on deck. To me, if I'm the coach, hey, just give me one more week, guys, and you can have all next week off. And then you got Georgia coming up in a couple weeks after that. They need to get that. You can't afford to lose two games. No, and in you can't afford play. to have South Carolina with wins over Georgia and Florida. Exactly. They don't own the tiebreakers at that point. So uh, I'm on the Florida side here. Although 
I'll be honest with you. Fez presented a very good case. And Fez, before I let you, do you have any closing thoughts? I just wanted to ask you, what happened in the to Florida when they played Kentucky? Why did they struggle so much? Talk about your phony finals where they were clinging to, what, a one-point lead? Before. Felipe Frank's oh. turning the football over at the start of the game. Kyle Trask comes in there, and they somehow you know get the job done, although it was kind of a fluky win for the Gators. Very fluky win. I mean, the Kentucky kid makes the field goal. The game's probably over. Yeah, and then Florida scores. Right. Yeah, to the put it over. The end around. Yes. All right. But, but uh, one thing, Brad, let, let me yeah. ask you this. Neutral field right now, because we know they play it every year on a neutral field. Who do you like, Florida or Georgia? Oh, I still like Georgia. Are you kidding me? I'd still have them probably four or five. Yeah, about five points better. Would you would you, take me on that one? Would you, if you give me the five points, I'll take it right now. All right. Hold on. We got, we, we got this sound effect. Yeah. You guys got that sound effect? All right. We got a bet. We got a bet. All right, five? No, five points. You're going to bet me on that, too? I, I, I am. I, I really think, like, you know, it's interesting. I texted Brad after the Georgia game, and I said, your, your Irish are toast because I thought Georgia just uh, – that, that was just – that was a horror show, that game against South Carolina. And you guys bring up an excellent point that maybe I'm overreacting to South Carolina – I'm making the case they should have won the game, but wow, was Georgia lousy in that game. And, and at USC, I mean, we talked to Brad and I talked about it. There was a personal foul called on Southern Cal for roughing the passer. You can't make a better tackle than they did on Ian Book, but end of the day, a little home cooking. Southern Cal never quit down 20-3, to three, came back, got the cover. Yeah, high-variance game. I, I bet you weren't thinking that one is 20-3 to three in the third quarter, did you, Fez? I actually... Live bet USC. I you did. did. What'd you get? Like twenty four? It was no. I it, when they, they were down seventeen. I think yeah. I was. I, I caught like fourteen and a half. On fourteen and a half. Yeah. All right. All right. That's Steve Fez. And just in case, I mean, because Steve, you know, Fez wasn't afraid to go up against KT and myself there. If if you forgot when it comes to Steve Fezzik. I'm already a multi millionaire. Kiss stealing. Woo. Wheeling dealing. Limousine riding. Jet flying. Son of a gun. I am the real Steve Fezzik. The Leroy's college football tied for first in that contest. The Money Talks champion. And, of course, the two-time champion of the prestigious South Point NFL Handicapping Contest. And two-time winner of? And two-time winner of the Westgate Super right. Contest as well. That is Steve Fezzik. You got that, Sleepy? Sleepy Jay in the house. Moving along here. All right, let's move along to, we'll keep it in the SEC, actually. Tennessee, Alabama, Crimson Tide right now, a 34-and-a-half-point favorite. And, guys, after we had a couple of live-action crossfires here, just a couple games here before we get the best bets where we have some lean action here. Ken, I'm going to go to you first. You lean with Alabama. Yeah, you know why? Because this team just finds ways to just pull away and, if I'm going to be on a side, I'd rather be on Bama. Look, I was on Tennessee last week, got the win against Mississippi State. Joe Moorhead comes down from Penn State. This guy's an offensive coordinator. I've watched this guy for a year and a half. One of the most atrocious offensive teams in the country. I mean, look, I understand you bring your guy Stevens down, whatever, he's been banged up. But Tennessee controlled that game. They dominated that game. Seven sacks versus Mississippi State. Now you're going up against Bama. Good luck getting one against Tua. Tua going to be smarting because he threw his first interception last week in the W for Bama as they get the cover in College Station. If you could beat those guys by 22, something just tells me on the road, something tells me you go back home, you're probably going to keep expanding on the game against Tennessee. And when you look at a 34-and-a-half-point line, what is that? Seven points in each quarter, and then somewhere you got to find another touchdown in those four quarters to get that cover. 
Guarantano back at the starting helm was replaced by Maurer. Maurer couldn't throw the ball, two interceptions, no touchdowns. Guarantano got the job back. But the offense is rather vanilla, with Bama still the best receiving core. Now, Devonta Smith is suspended for the first half. That just means that Judy Waddle and Ruggs III are going to get more action. And Najee Harris and Brian Har- uh, Robinson, keep an eye on the two backs. Not only did they have 165 on the ground in a touchdown, but they had receptions. And uh, f- five receptions, 52 yards, and another touchdown. So you're starting to see Tua dump down, play it safe. They do that. Tennessee doesn't have the man speed or the manpower man to cover speed. these guys. I haven't heard that. Yeah, they don't. Well, they don't have it. They just don't have <laughs> man for man. They're going to be out speeded by this, uh, you know, you know, this Bama offense with the best receiving core in the country. Bama eventually rolls. Rain about thirty percent. No wind. Perfect weather for uh, throwing the ball. And if it does rain, your receivers know where they're going. Tennessee's defenders have no idea where they're going. I'm looking for Bama to opening it up, open it up, but I lean because 35, 34 and a half, a lot of points still. Fez, you got anything on this? I have absolutely nothing. Better investment opportunities on the rest of the card. And there is no one that does it better than Steve Fezzik. All right, that's a pass for Steve Fezzik. I'm on the other side. I'm going to lean Tennessee here. And to me, it's a play against, again, the Alabama defense. I think most teams around the country probably take their stats, but I know one guy that won't. It's Nick Saban, the head coach. You look at this Alabama defense giving up 336 yards per game. That's number 36 in the country. That's not good if you're Alabama. They're giving up Alabama 4.7 yards per play. That's not in the top 20. Again, that's not Alabama football the last 10, 12 years under Nick Saban. And I I don't know if I trust this Alabama team to to, to cover a, a huge point spread. Yeah, they even struggled. There was opportunities for A&M to get a backdoor. Uh, even last week in a game that was half half this line. And the total uh, and the line on that one was 17. This one we're dealing with five touchdowns. I will say this is why it's only a lean on Tennessee. Saban has taken this game seriously. I, I think most people around the country, because it's been so lopsided, don't understand. Alabama-Tennessee is a pretty big-time rivalry. It's probably one of Alabama's three main rivals. Auburn, LSU, Tennessee is one of their, their three rivals. If you listen to their Dixie uh, what is it, Dixie Delight song or whatever? Those are the three teams they mentioned, the fans. Uh, I, it's Dixie not, Delight reference. Yeah, it's Alabama, the, the, the group. Yeah, it's awesome. Look it up. Google it. It's great what the Alabama crowd does. Although, don't have your kids uh, or your family around because the, <laughs> this, what the students chant about, uh, especially Auburn, isn't family-oriented. But anyways, Nick Saban against Tennessee, 12-0 and since he got there straight up. 9-3 and against the spread. And even the last three meetings, Alabama won by 39, Alabama won by 38, Alabama won by 37. Uh, all, the, all three of those would cover this number. So that's why, for me, it's only a lean on Tennessee. And I, we haven't mentioned this. Uh, Nick Saban's still perfect against his former assistants, 18-0 and 0, straight up. I will say this, though, that practice, even though they win that game by 22, get the win in the cover in College Station. 19, 47-28. 47-28, okay, right. They get the cover. I will say that Saban was not happy. You had nine, 11 penalties for 91 yards on Bama yeah, in that game. You're right. That is not good. When you go home, he looks at stuff like that, and you do not want to be in practice that day because that's something he's going to go. 11 freaking penalties. That's all well and good. You got away with it against A&M, but you do that against Auburn or somebody else, you're going to be in trouble. And wasn't there a key penalty that took back a touchdown that this, that game was about to turn into a blowout? Yeah. Some key play? I, Saban's quote after the game was, we didn't win with class at the end of the game. 
So I'm sure, I don't know if I want to be at practice this week uh, being an Alabama football player. Again, lean for KT on Alabama. Lean for me, Brad Powers on Tennessee. Steve Fezzik passed. That's Steve Fezzik. Let's move along. Wow, guys. I mean, is this an SEC preview here? Who picked these games? I did. LSU, Mississippi State. LSU on the road, a 19-point road favorite. And looks like we got a bunch of leans here. I, I promise as we move along here, we got a bunch of likes. I am actually, since Fez, you've been passing, I'm going to lead it with you. Who do you lean with this game? I'm going to lean to Mississippi State, you know, in the pregame studios just off the Las Vegas Strip. We're also just down the street from the Weiss Deli, which serves up some great now, now, sandwiches. On. I'm getting great there. Great beef, man. There's a segue. Did you guys get – all right. There's a segue. All right, fair enough. And they have some great sandwiches, and this is the mother of all sandwich games here. Bad spot for LSU. They went ahead – in Death Valley, prime time, crowd juiced up team, so psyched up for it. They get the win. They get the cover by 14. Now they play Mississippi State with Auburn and Alabama, the next two games on deck. I got to worry about it being the letdown spot, the sandwich spot for LSU and Mississippi State. It's just a lean. It's not a like, and the reason being, I'm very concerned about that loss early in the year at home to Kansas State. K-State is not playing well, and that loss looks worse and worse, but I'm still going to lean to Mississippi State. Now, I can't help it that I'm custom-made. I can't help it that I look good, smell good, Woo! can't dance all night long. Dance all night long at a Weiss Deli that closes, I think, at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. That's Steve Fezzik. You know what? I'm with you, Fez, on this one, and then we'll get to Ken. I lean Mississippi State. You hit the nail on the head. Sandwich spot. You see how I'm like trying to butter you up? I'm trying to get you to come in here on these college football dream pods. Might happen. We miss you. I miss you guys. All right. That's why you're getting a lot of drops. No no love for you, KT. Nah, no worries. That's All it. right. Well, you and I are going head-to-head, it seems like a bunch. So we'll, we'll see here. Uh, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. Sandwich spot for LSU. Off Florida. Auburn on deck. The worry that I have, number one, I've been too high in my power rings on Mississippi State. And RJ would say, well, why not lower them? Well, I have lowered them more than a touchdown. Huge downgrade. I've downgraded Mississippi State as much as I would say seven, eight, nine teams in the country. And the other teams being like the UCLA's, the Virginia Techs, the Florida States of the world. And it just doesn't seem like I can downgrade them enough. Quarterback issues uh, for them, they can't figure out who they want to play a quarterback. Tommy Stevens, Schrader, the freshman. And the worry is for LSU is this isn't the this isn't your older brother's LSU. LSU's offense last week, ten point six yards per play against Florida's defense. Ten point six yards per play, a first down every time they snapped the football. They scored forty two points and they only had the ball for twenty one minutes. Forty two points, twenty one minutes. Not against Towson State, against Florida in a top ten matchup. That would be the worry that I have. Maybe Mississippi State first half might be the way to go here. I'm not sure because LSU's not afraid to keep pushing it. And Orgeron after the game because they're saying, hey, you know, your defense doesn't look so hot this year. Uh, Orgeron being the LSU coach, he said, no, doesn't matter to me. We're going to continue to push the pace. We've chosen this style of football, and we're going to continue with it. That would be my concern here. Ken? It's not a concern for you. It's probably one of the reasons you lean with LSU. It's exactly right because they're like one of those good wrestlers that I remember. I grew up in Jersey, and there were the uh, Scove brothers. And all three of these guys, they, they had like the workout room down in the basement and all that. They all went on, I think, to Iowa and wrestled. Uh, Luke Scove was the, was the best of the three. And then, and then his brother, actually uh, Jude Scove, I think, became better than him. And 
these guys were unbelievable. And the dad had them, you know, he was a wrestling coach, had them going to where when you're done and you think you've, you know, you're finished, there's still 30 seconds left. This guy may take you up, let you down, take you up, let you down. So if he didn't pin you, he ends up beating you like 24 to four, one of those type wrestling families. And they kept coming at you. And that's what LSU does offensively. They just keep coming at you for the four quarters. Right now, down Marshall, one of their best three receivers. But no problem, Chase and Jefferson are outstanding. How about the guys last week? 17 catches between them, 250 yards and three touchdowns. And Burrow, now after going up against a Florida defense, takes on a Mississippi State defense. Now Mississippi State, last year's defense, Suffocating. This year's, not so much. Going to Tennessee last week, only one sack, only 267 yards against the Vols. They gave up seven sacks. That means LSU's going to get pressure on, like you said, whoever the quarterback is, Stevens or Schrader. Meanwhile, how about Kylan Hill? 11 carries for 13 yards against Tennessee. Oh, my God, where's the offense going to come from? Like, in other words, is Mississippi State going to score more than 10 points? If they don't, I'm almost betting you that LSU's going to score in the 30s. I don't see how Mississippi State can cover this game. I only lean because they are at home, and maybe the cowbells will deafen them in the first half, and they won't come out and play the four quarters. But I can only lean LSU, and a 23% chance of rain might keep Mississippi State in the game. 23% chance. Of rain. You know, I don't, have a, I don't have a Heisman vote, but if I had one, I'll tell you who I'd vote for. I would vote for LSU's offensive coordinator because think mm. about what we've been talking about here. Brad Powers like, oh, LSU, they just don't let up. They just keep throwing the ball. Talk about a just a complete shift in a team's philosophy. No more quarterback draws on third and six getting stuffed seemingly every time. He's not officially the offensive coordinator, but they call him the passing game coordinator. His name's Joe Brady. He's a young guy. He's about 30 years old. Was on Comes the over the Saints. Right. Wide receivers coach for them. Yeah, he's basically – you look up in the booth, they show both guys, the old guy and Swinger or whatever his name is. He's like 60. And <laughs> RJ made the, the joke like, are we sure his headset's on? <laughs> so, yeah, I think Joe Brady's obviously got a major influence. And, and this is an LSU offense, still number one in the country, scoring offense. LSU, a team that wasn't in the top 20 in that category any time since 2011, number have, one. Have they scored more than one touchdown against Alabama the last five games? I, is, I, know they, I cannot wait. They haven't, I don't think. I got to think. I think they've scored like three points in three games. They've gotten shut out twice. I think it was 10 nothing. Then they scored, I think, three, or maybe, no, they scored 10 and then zero. 10 points in three years. That's going to change this year. Brad, do you think they're better off having to go to Tuscaloosa, LSU, because not as much pressure to where the fans build it up in Baton Rouge mm. to like to where they go on the road? And I know that's not an easy place to win. No, I. No, but, I mean, I hear your point. And keep in mind, the last time LSU beat Alabama, it was that 2011 game. Remember, it was one versus two. That game was in Tuscaloosa that LSU won eight straight victories for Alabama since then. Ken, since you, I mean, I, I get it. RJ's not here, and we're doing story time and that little scope story. Since you were doing that, I did find a drop for you. These are the 24th Pythons, the largest arms to ever enter Gold's Gym Day. For, for those of you that missed that one, you're not showing them, though. Well, I, I, ha- I had it. I went to the Utah Ute shirt just because of our uh, disagreement there on the Utah. But I have the UNLV shirt underneath the, the tank top, the UNLV basketball. Uh-oh. Of course, got to have that, of course. 
for the listeners out there, Ken is stripping down right now yeah, in, in his tank top. Whereas, meanwhile, I'm just quietly Pillsbury Doughboy. Yeah, me too. Brad, you want to bet whether I can bench 200? No, I don't. There you go. So. Not, That's right. I, I, Old Fezzy, well, man. You got it down. I would right now. I don't think you could do it. Is, is that correct? You're correct. You got me, though, last year for longtime listeners. 500 bucks I lost. Fez. Bench. Not only did he, he did it like two, he did 225, what, eight times? You're showing off. How was my form? It was solid. I was in trouble. I think you could do it right now. I think he's sandbagging no, to get so. you in there for I don't know. Look at him. He's a yeah, we'll Fezzy. Fezzy's a sandbagger, man. Here's one guy that can do it. That is KT. The one guy that can't here on the panel is the youngest guy, which is very, very sad. He used to back in the day, but not now. Let's move along, guys. We just got, I think we're halfway through. Five down, five to go here. We're going to go to West Virginia, Oklahoma here. The Sooners, a huge favorite, 33 and a half points. Looking at the notes here, Ken, you have a like on this game. You like Oklahoma. I like Oklahoma, and I don't think they can help themselves but score 50 points against, the, against this West Virginia team. And Austin Kendall, he's banged up. He got his chest hurt last week, so they may have to go with Jack Allison. Either way, it's a West Virginia team. Didn't score in the second half last week. Look, Oklahoma could have blown Texas out. Things just didn't work out for them. And I'm fortunate, and Fez was fortunate. We were on Texas. There was a point in that game, at the beginning of the game, Oklahoma had already scored once. Hurts is going again in to get inside the 10-yard line, and he fumbles. And it was real close. They didn't call it a fumble live. They went to the review. That changed everything. I mean, it really did. It was going to be 14 nothing out of the gate. And somehow, someway, Ellinger and the team were able to make enough plays at key times to make that one of the most deceiving one-touchdown games you will ever watch. Thank you, because <laughs> we got the points, and based on the last six meetings to where the spread was nine or more, and Texas had covered every game, won three of them outright, we were on that side. But I looked and I said, you know what? Oklahoma's going home, and I wonder who they're going to be playing, because that offense is just like one of those, you know, those race cars, just revving, just ready to go but didn't have a track to go on. Now they've got a track in Norman. They're going to go there. I didn't know why Trey Sermon didn't play last week. I didn't know if he got suspended or something. I I had no idea. I didn't see him on the injury reports. Kennedy Brooks did a pretty good job. C.D. Lamb, I swear, the guy had to be sprayed with Pam. I was telling my wife. I go, that guy's got to be sprayed with, you know, the the spray. Every time they touched him, the Texas guy slipped off him. It was the most unbelievable thing. CeeDee Lamb, 10 receptions, 171, and three touchdowns. They're still without Calcaterra, their excellent tight end. Uh, but Rambo's doing a pretty good job to compliment uh, CeeDee Lamb. But I think Jalen Hurts is going to up his numbers again this week to get him back as a front runner as far as the Heisman. I just have a feeling it's going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of 52-3 to three if West Virginia even scores three. Maybe they they only had 190 yards last week against Iowa State at home total offense. I'm not sold they score much at all in this game, and I think Oklahoma's just going to blow them out. I know 33 and a half's a lot, Fez, but that's where I'm going. You know, I, I put down that I lean to West Virginia, and i got to be honest, as I'm going through, I don't want to pass like four or five games. So. How many likes have you, have you had? I've here, got Fez? I've got four likes, Brad. You got four, okay? Yeah. So we'll let it slide. Let me let me slide. Looking. I'm just I'm just saying I'm not going to bet West Virginia in this game. I do think that the fact a little bit of a misleading final against Iowa State, they lost 14 to 38. They were only down seven in the fourth quarter. But I think an equally good point is that Oklahoma easily could have gone ahead and trashed um, Texas and won by 21. KT, you nailed it. 
Texas was on the ledge early in that yep. game. They Very were much. they were yep. they were not just on the ledge. They were hanging from the ledge, about to fall, and then they there would have been no coming back. I do want to mention West Virginia because I'll make the case, Brad Powers, you made arguably one of the greatest bets in college football history. You have the undefeated 18th ranked Baylor Bears catching, I believe, um, you got it at four and a half. Yeah, against West Virginia. What is that line going to be? This was a game of the year back in August. Uh, they'll be laying a couple touchdowns, at least. Yeah, we'll see. I, I mean, I uh, I've had games where, where I've gotten ahead of a couple touchdowns and I've lost, so we'll see. Uh, I, I will say this: I'm with you, Fez. I lean West Virginia. First, I do have to mention yards per play. You want to talk about tough luck? I had Iowa. When you look at the box score, probably I mean could have won the game outright against Penn State. You guys have Texas. I'm with you on Texas. You guys win your best bets. Tell me if this is good for the Texas side. Yards per play, four point two for Texas. For Oklahoma, seven point seven minus three point five yards per play, and you guys won your best bet. Hmm. To put that in perspective, let me pull up the Miami Dolphins, yeah. worst team in the history of the NFL. They are averaging four yards per play, very comparable yeah. to that 4.2, and the Dolphins are giving up 6.7. So what we're saying is that in this game, it would be like a typical Miami Dolphin NFL game, only the Dolphins would be giving up an extra yard per play. And I'll bring it to the college. I don't have it this week, but last week, the last place team in yards per play in the country, Massachusetts, minus three yards per play. One and of this the, was minus 3.5. One of the strangest second-half totals you'll ever see. i got to bring it up. So UMass is down at halftime. I have no idea what the score is. Something on the lines of like 55-12. to 52-14, I think, against La Tech. Second-half total opens up at 20, I believe 26, because it's a blowout and yeah. it's going to go under. Well, no, it's not going to go under because know why? Because the first string for UMass can't tackle anyone, and now the second <laughs> string is going to be in there. That is Steve Fezzik. That is where he, I would say, excels, and he also excels in the weight room. I've been hanging and banging for years. Yep, that's Steve Fezzik. Uh, the reason I do lean, and I'm going to bring this up because I, I thought it was a, a decent theory, and we'll see if Fez agrees or, or KT so last year, these two teams played in the final game of the regular season. Last year, just one year ago, final game of the regular season. Big 12 title game appearance on the line in Morgantown. West Virginia was a three-point home dog. Three. Lost by three in that game. Back and forth game. Very high scoring, 59-56. So even after factoring home field advantage, we're just, what, six, seven, what, about eight games removed from that if you factoring the playoffs and the championship game for Oklahoma. And these two teams' power ratings combined have changed more than 24 points, even when you're factoring in the home field advantage. To me, that seems a bit much. That's why I'm leaning with West Virginia. And how much better is Oklahoma this year than last year? Just peanuts, right? Uh, they're better on defense, and I'm glad. Thank you for bringing that up. Uh, I would say three, four points better, and it's all on the defense side of the ball. Maybe even a slight upgrade on offense, because I think Jalen Hurts gives them a running dynamic consistently that Kyler Murray just didn't. Kyler Murray's a more explosive athlete, but they, you can't run the five foot eight, 185 pound quarterback too much like you can with Jalen Hurts. So he gives him a little bit. And this defense, let's look at Oklahoma's defensive improvement because I do like the Sooners' chances moving forward. Even if they got into a, I don't think they're going to be outclassed like they've been uh, here in the recent past against the Alabamas and the Clemsons of the world. Defense allowing 13 points per game less this year. About 60 yards per game less. Yards per play, about a full yard per play less on defense this year. This is a legit defense. Not, I think nine sacks last nine week. Nine sacks to zero against Texas. 
22 to 4 this year, Oklahoma, as far as their sacks, 22. They've given up four. And your best bet covered. Dang, I can't buy a winner. I better win this week. I got to drop for me and my best bet if I don't win. I think you guys will appreciate it. Loser must leave town? Wow. Loser must uh, retirement match. WrestleMania 7. Yosemite Sam. (laughs) Old school. All right, now it's going to heat up as far as the the action here. Uh, rolling in a little bit more. I think from this point out, it's nothing but a bunch of likes and best bets. Final four games on the docket here. And we're going to start with, I think, is probably the biggest game of the week as far as positioning here. Oregon at Washington. The Ducks, a three-point road favorite. And looking at it here, Ken, you got a like. I got a like on a total. But we're going to start with Fez. Fez, you sure you have four likes? This is another lean for you. You lean with Oregon. Yeah, I, co- I color code my plays, right. and there's green, better green, check that. green, and a green. All right, fair enough. Wow, that's almost like uh, Monopoly. North Carolina, Pacific. What's the third one? Oh, I know Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania. You so you, you you land on that sucker with three houses. You're looking you're you're looking at major trouble, like eleven fifty, like eleven fifty, something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah good call. Now hold on, Fez. Two and a half. You got here, Lean Oregon. I got on my sheet three. If you what's che- the screen? Say? If, if you would check the fine print of your document, it says Lean Oregon minus two point seven five. I see two point five here. Well, we got a clear. We 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 we, we got some. Uh, uh, shenanigans going on in yeah, the editing then because my notes, which I were provided to the pregame offices, is 2.75. Bottom line, that's fine. It's just a lean Oregon minus three. I got to be honest here. I was going to like Oregon. And really? for some reason, for some reason, I forgot what this point spread was. And I looked at the screen. I saw some of those threes and I couldn't believe it. Oregon's laying three. And because of that, it's just a lean. I do think you can make the case for a much better energy situation for Oregon. Um, Washington's off back-to-back road games. They just played at Stanford, lost the game, and then they played at Arizona. Meanwhile, Oregon had a bye last week. They won Friday in an easy game against Colorado where they never even had to sweat the game at all, pulling away 45-3. to Oregon's been a much better team. That close loss in a coin flip game to Auburn, we can make the case if Oregon wins that game, what's the point spread here? Now yeah, are they laying? Point. Now are they laying? Maybe three and six. Four? Yeah. I, I don't think six, but maybe not six. North right. of three, yeah, though. Yeah. North of three. All right. Um, but just a line because I am really surprised that this spread is all the way to three. As far as the weather report, well, you don't have to check the weather because it's in Seattle in October, <laughs> I got and every day is eighty-eight percent chance of rain during the entire game. Yeah, fifty-four degrees, ninety percent chance of rain every day: Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Seattle's a nice place to go. Go to the fish market, but go in the summer. That's Steve Fezzik. You got a like here, Kenton substitute teacher effect. You got a like here. Yeah, and I was waiting for this game for several weeks, and I was on the Oregon side. I kept waiting for Oregon to get healthy. But what happened last week is one of the worst breaks for them. Yeah, they get a cruise control victory, but you lose a tight end in Jacob Breeland. This is their leading receiver. This is the guy that Herbert loves to throw to. This is the main guy that when all else fails, if Johnson or Red aren't open deep, Jacob Breeland, the reliable guy, 26 receptions, six touchdowns, don't have him. That will hurt majorly. 
Washington, what are they going to do? They're going to run the ball. Three-headed monster. Ahmed, who actually missed a game. And the best thing for him and for Chris Peterson was that he did miss a game because he's the guy that gets the bulk of the carries. When he missed, we found out how good Richard Newton is. We kind of thought he was pretty good. But Sean McGrew, the freshman out of uh, uh, St. John Bosco over there in Southern California, this kid's outstanding. 6.5 yards per carry. I think this guy's going to have a big game. I like Fuller. Uh, Baselia as far as uh, the wide receivers, and Hunter Bryant and Cade Otten, two excellent tight ends. Look for Jacob Easton, the transfer from Georgia, to use the tight ends in this game. This is a team, both both teams very successful on, on sacks, big plus there. Oregon's plus 11, Washington plus 7, and both teams plus 6 and 9 turnovers, respectively. Oregon is on the plus 9 side, so uh, not much of an advantage there. But I think the home field advantage, you talk about the Seattle Seahawks, Washington, as long as there's no uh, weather delay like there was against Cal to where, you know, that thing dragged on for three hours. They lost a lot of the kids there. This is a major rivalry, and this is for the marbles. This is to get Washington back in the thick of things in the north. For Oregon, it's a chance to keep playoff hopes alive. If they run the table and Auburn doesn't fall on their face, in other words, if Auburn can just kind of go through the rest of the year and maybe only lose to Bama in a, in a somewhat of a close game. They still have to play LSU as well. But if Auburn's able to do that, that helps the resume for Oregon, keeps them alive as far as a potential playoff. And if they get a showdown with a Utah team that only has one loss, that'll be a lot of fun as well. I think Washington, the loss of uh, Breland for Oregon is going to hurt and the home field advantage in the rain. I'm going to take the Huskies, give them one last shot. And Brad, I know you had them a couple times thinking they were the team. Mm. Two games you nailed. You nailed Washington to blow out Hawaii. You nailed them to blow out BYU. I know they let you down in another game, but I think they come through here and they win the game by seven. They're a three-point dog at home. When's the last time Washington has had a decent squad and they're an underdog at home in Seattle? You see that, Fez? Watch this. Wow. That's what was causing it. Mm. Unbelievable. Apologize to those listeners if you heard that in your headsets if you're listening to the podcast. You know, KT brought up feedback. I got to ask KT and you too, Brad, because I think you're bringing up an excellent point. I agree. Motivation, people still thinking about the playoffs. I don't see any way a Pac 12 team with a loss is getting into these playoffs. And maybe if Clemson lost because they have such a cupcake schedule, but a one loss Alabama, a one loss Ohio State, or even a one loss Oklahoma, I think gets in over a one loss Pac 12. Am I wrong? I don't think you are. Uh, depends who the lo- it, depends who the loss is too, and then again, if uh, well, I guess you I mean be- Oregon's in the, probably the best spot ever for a team. You lost the very first game as an SEC team; it was close, and I mean they're just gonna here, they're gonna have to start they're gonna have to blow out Washington. Okay, here's an interesting scenario: What if Ohio State beats Wisconsin, say by ten at the Horseshoe, and then loses to Wisconsin in the playoff in the uh, Big Ten Championship? Wisconsin goes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I think. But 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 does Ohio Ohio State still gets in over any Pac-12 team? Yeah, I just think they do. I mean, the Pac-12's got a perception problem, and it didn't. I mean, Oregon's got to win that game. Pac-12's got to win one of those games early in the season. Pac-12 All- eliminated from the <laughs> Final Four in the first college football game week yep. of the season. We talked about it. We said not only was that a monumental game for Oregon, but it was a monumental yep. game for the conference. And when Utah lost to Southern Cal. That really derailed a lot of the hopes. And then, of course, Washington is where everything hinged on, thinking if they take out Oregon, they get them at home, 
And then lo and behold, not only did they lose to Cal, but they lose to Stanford, and that really crushed them. And the reason I bring it up is that so many years we see all this discussion of, oh, there's going to be a great team that's going to be left out of the playoffs, and then inevitably there's all these upsets. But I'd make the case this looks like one of the most top-heavy years in college football. Do we really think Clemson, Alabama, or Ohio State's going to get beat? I mean, it's, um, I mean it could happen. Mm. Well, LSU could beat Alabama. Yeah, and Ohio State could lose to Wisconsin. Yeah, that's true. And, but again, both of those spreads, and those games are coming up here in a few weeks. I mean, Ohio State's going to be laying around 10 still, and Alabama's going to be laying around 10. I'm not sold either that Alabama is a shoe in to beat Auburn. And I understand if we get the Auburn team where Patrick Nix throws three interceptions against Florida, that's one thing. But I'm really shocked that Malzahn did not go to the running quarterback. Joey Gatewood. Yes. I mean, to me, especially when you get inside the 15-yard line, if Gatewood's running and you go back, hindsight's twenty twenty. but Nick's three interceptions in that game against Florida really derailed Auburn's chances. I got a like here. It's on the total. Hear me out here. So I'm going to go under. Number one reason for me, Oregon's offense, I would argue, for the last decade got a lot of attention. Chip Kelly going even back to those days. So everyone, when you think about Oregon football, you're thinking offense. I think coming into the year, that's also what you think. You think Justin Herbert, a quarterback, let's go Ducks offense. But it's actually been the defense. The last five games, Oregon's allowed 25 points. Not 25 points per game, 25 points in five games. So the defense, not not only better than expected, but we're talking this is a legit top 10 defense in the country. Andy Avalos is the defense. He's the new defensive coordinator coming over from Boise State, doing a tremendous job there. Let's talk about both teams' offenses because if you just look at the stats, you're thinking this is above average offenses. Both teams, Oregon and Washington, both have top 30 scoring offenses. But you look at Oregon's offense against the three best defenses they've faced this year, 21 against Auburn, 21 against Stanford, 17 against California. That's not great. But they got 77 against Nevada, 45 against Colorado. So, I mean, for the season, they're above average. Washington's very similar. Washington's offense, top 30 in the country scoring, but the best three defenses Washington's faced, 19 against Cal, 28 against SC, 13 against Stanford. However, they got 47 against Eastern Washington, 52 against Hawaii, 51 against Arizona. So those full-season stats say they're above average. These are two of the better defenses both offenses have faced so far this season. Add all that up, big game. I would say every possession matters. I'm going under 50 and a half, Fez. What say you? Yeah, and this game and that total, I agree, helps explain why it's so much easier to win betting sports as a professional gambler than to win versus market numbers. Because I'd argue that the 50 and a half is pretty much market. I just looked at the screen, and there's one prominent book in Vegas that's dealing a 51 and a half. So I will let you guys know that as <laughs> soon as this podcast ends, I will be hightailing it downtown to, book? to the Circa Sportsbook and making Ooh. a limit bet in Brad Powers, and I will share in on that total. And maybe I'll give... Ken Thompson a piece. Yes, please. If he uh, feeds KT me, involved if there. he feeds me at the Lagasse Stadium, uh, you no, know, I will tonight. You and your brother are going to come in and have a great dinner. By the way, Brad, I do want to just throw a little bit of a wrench into your total as far as Oregon, what they've done the last five games: Nevada, Montana, Stanford, Cal. Four of the worst offenses around. Colorado, pretty good when Montez gets it going, but that game was out. They only gave up three. You got to trust said, Jacob no, no, Eason saying, against Oregon's defense. Saying, no, I don't. All right. I'm going under. Couple Nobody house- wants to bet me? 
No, we were, right. we're, we want to bet right, with you. House, you. Housekeeping item, Ohio State is laying 13 right now in the big house. This is courtesy of the Westgate property. And Alabama at Auburn, tough place to play. Bama is laying 14. Real quick, do you have uh, the LSU-Alabama game? I'll look it up. All right, look that up. And also look up uh, Ohio State-Wisconsin if they have it. Because I did just quote those lines are probably going to be most likely around 10. Thank you for that, Fez. Those just get posted, too, as we're taping it, right, on Tuesdays? Those get put on the Westgate. All right, just recapping it there. That was Oregon-Washington. Ken's got a like on Washington. Fez, another lean. I mean, somehow these likes are coming sooner or later, I'd hope. He has a lean on Oregon. I like the under. Push came to the shove. I would lean with Washington on the side. All right, guys. We are making history in the next two games. Two games, and how about this? Dave Essler, best bet. In addition, not one, not two, but three likes, all on the same side, all agreeing with Dave Esler. That is the Michigan-Penn State game. That's coming up next. And also coming up next, Baylor-Oklahoma State. We have not only a like from Fezzik, but not one, but two. That's right, two best bets, all on the same side. That's all coming up next. But first, our one and only commercial break. You're listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Guys, if you're looking to add some excitement, make BetDSI.com your betting partner. You use BetDSI's live betting platform where you can watch all the events and even bet all the games till the final whistle. Keep in mind, new members... Get 100% bonus match using promo code BELL101. That's B-E-L-L-101. That's double your money to start winning today. Why should you choose BetDSI? Well, BetDSI has been paying winners for 20 years. BetDSI is the top rated on a lot of betting review sites. You can use your sports knowledge to make some extra cash this week. BetDSI, a very user-friendly interface and mobile site. BetDSI. Best payouts in the industry. Simply play, win, and get paid. Guys, BetDSI offers betting options for everything, whether it's the NFL, college football, NBA, NHL, boxing, all the other major sports, politics, reality TV, esports, virtually everything. You can try live betting at BetDSI where you can bet on games from start to finish. Every play and every minute until the very end. New members, once again, you can get 100% bonus match using the promo code BELL101. That's B-E-L-L-101. That's double your money to start winning today. Guys, I play there myself and recommend BetDSI. And if you want to add some excitement to the sports you love or any other sports you are watching, go to BetDSI.com and use the promo code BELL101 and get this limited time 100% bonus offer to make some extra cash. Remember, it's only a game until you bet it at BetDSI. Hey, college football fans, need to brush up on your college football knowledge? Then enroll in Dos Equis College Football Football College. That's College Football Football College, where you'll learn from brilliant football minds like Jay Cutler, Martellus Bennett, Katie Nolan, and John Bacon, the man who wrote the book on college football. Not only will you win every college football argument this season, you could even enter for a chance to win tickets to the 2020 college football playoff national championship 
So be the first in your family to earn a football watching certificate from a beer school. Enroll in Dosecki's College Football Football College at dosecki's.com slash edu. Dosecki's, keep it interessante. Dosecki's beer brands. Enjoy Dosecki's responsibly imported by Cervezas Mexicanas, White Plains, New York. Copyright 2019. Dosecki's beer brands. No purchase necessary. 50 US DC 21 plus only enter. Enter by 12 2019. Full rules available at dosecki's.com slash edu. As always, a big thank you for listening to the show. Although we'd like to ask a small but very important favor for you guys. It'll only take a few minutes, and if you're one of the first people to do it, Podcast One will make it worth your time, literally. We need you to complete a short survey because the information you give us can help make things better for the Dream Preview Show. And you, as a listener, here's what you need to do. You just go to podcastone.com slash survey, and everything will be right there for you. That's podcastone.com slash survey. The first 250 people who complete the survey will get a $10 gift card to Amazon.com. And two grand prize winners will be selected at random to get a $100 Amazon gift card. How about that? Free money. It's a win-win. It's a free roll, what we call here on the Dream Preview. Our shows are supported by advertisers. So filling this out will really help us cater to the needs of you as a listener. So once again, please go to podcastone.com slash survey, answer some questions, and potentially make some money along the way. Thank you for being a dedicated Dream Preview listener. All right, I undersold this, guys, at the start. Of, I should have led this, the, the podcast with this. Are you kidding me? This is the first time ever I didn't have it fully on my notes page here. What's that? We've never had a quadruple like, have we, when we're counting a best bet? So we have Dave Esler's best bet on this Penn State-Michigan game. And then in addition to Esler, we have not one, not two, but three likes, all on the same team. I don't think we've ever had that. A best bet plus three likes all in the same team backing it up. And just I'm going to give Dave some love here since I've been really bringing up the rear when it comes to best bet wins and losses here. Dave is leading the bunch here. Five and two on his best bet so far on the podcast. Round of applause. Dave Esler. And we're going to get to Dave Esler's sound here in just a second. But first, the game. It's the 730 game, Eastern Standard Time, ABC, Penn State, whiteout, eight-and-a-half-point favorite hosting Michigan. Let's give Dave Esler a listen and who he likes. Penn State minus eight-and-a-half over Michigan. And as much as laying this many points isn't my typical MO, it's warranted here, and not because of what we saw last week in Iowa, but what we saw last year in Ann Arbor. Penn State lost to Michigan last year 42-7. to It was 42 to nothing at one point. In that game... Michigan ran the ball for 259 yards. That's not happening Saturday. Penn State's number one in the nation in yards per rush, allowing 1.8. Michigan has to throw the ball, and they will. They're 102nd in the nation in completion percentage. Michigan's played two tough defenses, Iowa, Wisconsin. They scored 24 points combined. Half of those were after they were already down four scores to the Badgers. College game days there. Night game, big atmosphere. Big double-digit win for the home team, Penn State minus the points. 
All right, Dave Esler liking best bet on Penn State. So now the cat's out of the bag. I mentioned it. All three roundtable guys here in Vegas like the same team, and it's all Penn State. Who wants to go? Ken, I'll let you go. Penn yeah, State. Here's the thing. Happy Valley. I mean, I grew up in that area. A lot of friends went to Penn State. Watching that team make its comeback now. Uh, I was impressed with Franklin last week getting the getting the win in Iowa. wasn't pretty. Uh, Clifford's still an adequate quarterback, does what he needs to do. Noah Kane, very solid as far as running the ball. K.J. Hamler, to me, will be by far the best receiver on the field. Although Michigan, I really like this kid, Ronnie Bell. They were without Nico Collins last week. He's questionable this week. But it's something about the whiteout, and it's going to get going, and it's something about the defensive line. And Gross Matos and Shaka Tony, those guys have five and a half sacks each. I think they're going to be in the face of Shea Patterson big time. And if that happens... Michigan's going to try and run the ball. Now, they got a great game last week against Illinois with Haskins coming of age to help out Charbonnet. Both guys had over 100 yards. That was key. That helped them win the game, but not even come close to covering against the Illini. I just think Penn State's defense is going to do not what they did to Maryland, but still do a blanket job on the running game, but really get in the face, make Shea Patterson uncomfortable. I expect turnovers. I expect some short fields for Penn State. I expect them to pull away and win this game probably by 17-plus. That's KT. Fez, you're on the same side. Yeah, and while we're talking Big Ten, let me hit you with a couple of the requested game of the year lines at Westgate and the Big Ten. Penn State at Ohio State, the Buckeyes are laying 12 and a half. Those aforementioned Buckeyes amazingly are laying 10.5 against a very fine Wisconsin team. Give me Wisconsin there. And finally, Alabama is laying 10 against LSU Mm. in key games of national interest. As far as Penn State, I will like Penn State as well. You know, Michigan has consistently disappointed getting points. It's all back to that Harbaugh can't win the big game. Well, it's not so bad against the spread. They're 2-4 and against the spread, but the two covers were against Ohio State. One was by half a point, and one one was by one and a half points. If you look at the average margin for Michigan in the six games under Harbaugh where they've been an underdog, they have been outscored by margin by nine and a half points per game. So they have underperformed by almost 10 points as an underdog. And frankly, if I would have extended this to Michigan being a small favorite, these numbers are every bit as bad. Harbaugh does not perform in situations like this. I like. This is a like Brad Powers. I like Penn State, and, I, right. like, and I also want to add, you know, I went to spring break from Northwestern. I went to Penn <laughs> State. They didn't have the same time at spring break, and I was miserable when I went back to Northwestern because I realized how much fun I was missing out on going to Northwestern instead of being in Happy Valley. That's a like from Steve Fezzik. Finally, a like there. Another story. Uh, I got it. Someone's got to play the RJ role here. I also like Penn State here. I'm going to give you a couple of different reasons. Number one, we mentioned whiteout. Uh, for those of you that are novice college football fans, I would argue the whiteout for Penn State at night is probably the most intimidated, best atmosphere in college football I season. Agree. Kirk Herbster, who calls a lot of the big games, says it, it is. It's just the best atmosphere. The Penn State coach was about to get fired before the infamous whiteout yes. against Ohio State Absolutely. when he won as the 18-point the blocked, dog. The blocked field goal. And I haven't seen this. Franklin's life. That block. Oh my God! Yeah, would have been fired probably. And and speaking of that, let's see how Penn State does. It's it's recent. Fifteen years they've been doing it. They're nine and six against the spread in these whiteout games. Ah, that doesn't sound like much. But keep in mind, twelve of the fifteen games they're playing a legit competition. Twelve of the fifteen games have been against ranked teams. James Franklin, the current head coach, Penn State, really values the whiteout. He's four and one against the spread. 
Average cover by eight and a half points per game. Outright win over number two Ohio State. A 42-13 win last time Michigan traveled here. Uh, laying single digits, they won by 29. And also on overtime, as an overtime loss against the Buckeyes as a two-touchdown underdog. So nearly a win there. And nearly a win against the Buckeyes last year, a game that they blew, what, like a nine-point lead late in the game to, to Ohio State uh, in the final. So Penn State whiteout really good under James Franklin. I like Penn State. What I don't like is Michigan on the road against ranked teams. Are you kidding me? Going back to 2006, Michigan, and I tweeted this out at Brad Power 7, Michigan on the road against ranked teams, 1-19 and 19 straight up since 2006, 5-15 against the spread. Average loss on the road against ranked teams, 16 points per game. Spread's 8.5, 9. Average, as far as them against the spread, 5-15, and 15, failing to cover by 9 points per game. Michigan that, on the road, bad. That is some excellent research. What was that Twitter handle again, Brad Powers? At Brad Powers 7. Thank you, Steve Fezzik. That's at Fezzik Sports, F-E-Z-Z-I-K Sports. And, Ken, which one? you got a couple different. Yeah, at SportsX Radio is uh, always good. That's the show here in Vegas or at Ken Thompson 87. You want to play one of RJ's? I do not. All right. (laughs) That is Ken Thompson. I am Brad Powers. You know, hold on. Do we have anything else on this game? I don't think so. Again, that was, I think, first time in history. Not one, not two, but three likes plus a best bet. Quadruple. Have we had that? Should we make it quintuple? Well, I'll tell you what, guys, this Haystack Hank coming in here. I'll tell you, I, I, I can't bet the Michigan Wolverines. That Jim Harbaugh guy, uh, I think RJ likes to say he smells. I mean, I, I'm, I've am i been in a lot of farm animals. I've met a lot, but, man, that, that Jim Harbaugh, he really smells. Especially, he smells whenever whenever they're going up against a legit team like Wisconsin earlier this year. He just can't get it done. And, and now they're going on the road to Penn State. Line single digits? Are you kidding me? I think Brad just mentioned last time Michigan went to Penn State, lost by 29. And I'm only, uh, Penn State's only laying nine? I mean, I'm not very smart about things, but nine, 29, I think I'd rather lay the points here. I think Penn State's going to win a blowout. I mean, they, you know, they won against Iowa. That Brad Powers, I don't know what he's doing with his best bet uh, last week. I mean, you got to go Penn State here. We are Penn State. As he makes his way out of the studio, that is Haystack Hank. I mean, he hasn't been part of the podcast too much this year. Quintuple like now with Haystack. Oof, that kind of worries me. And if you watched that Michigan Wisconsin game, Oof. you saw what happened when Michigan got down two scores. You could turn the TV off. That game was over. It was. All right. What do I want here? Because now we're getting to the point where we have a best bet from Steve Fezzik. And then. Also making history, we don't. This doesn't happen too many. We have a double best bet, both on the same side. And oh my goodness, Fez, you do have another like on this one. You like the same side. Wow, a lot of agreement so far. Next game is Clemson, Louisville. Clemson, a twenty-four point. Uh, some places twenty-four and a half. It's funny, Fez's note says twenty-four and a half. What's the market say? First off, Fez, this guy every half point. I mean, they matter. Hold on. Fez's notes, 24 and a half. I get it. My notes say here 24. 321. Hold 321, 322. Clemson, Louisville. 
Fez on his computer. Boy, RJ would be having. Oh, my goodness. He'd be having a fit right now. Yeah, so Caesars Palace, 24 and a half. Westgate, 24 and a half. All right. Market consensus, 24. Grade B plus 24. 24, all right. Your best bet being on Louisville. Give me your case. Yeah, Louisville is an undervalued commodity. And why are they undervalued? Let's face it. They were horrendous last year. What happened to Louisville? Did they suddenly have no athletes? No, those athletes quit on Petrino and company, where Louisville was given up 50 a game seemingly each and every week in October and November. And because of that hideous performance, the odds makers, frankly, are are struggling to bring Louisville's power rating back up to where they should be. And what's helping also is that Louisville has lost two games. They lost by 18 against Notre Dame. The Irish only outgained them by 40 yards. That was a misleading final score. It wasn't as bad as it looked. Similarly, they lost against Florida State, and they, that was a deserved loss. They should have lost, but Louisville was minus two. in. They're minus two in turnovers against Notre Dame, too. Yeah, so, so basically what's happening is we got a team that was undervalued to start the season that is hiding a little bit in, because of those two games and is still un, under the radar and – Head coach Satterfield. I don't know a lot about him, Brad. You maybe you can speak about it. Very but, good coach from Appalachian State. From reports from my guys, they're saying this is an under the radar type of coach that if you just blindly bet on this dude each and every week for the first couple of years, they expect to make money. Yeah, and he made money at Appalachian State. Here's a guy that you know that comes off three straight seasons of double digit wins, and man, Louisville people wanted Jeff Brom really bad, and I like Jeff Brom too. They act like, I mean, they had to kiss their sister when they hired Scott Satterfield. I'm like, what are you guys talking about? Scott Satterfield, I mean, I get it. You want a bra, but Scott Satterfield's almost just as good. If not, I mean, he's proven to be pretty good. How's Jeff Brown working out so well this year? I know injuries, but, you know, I want to lean your way, Fez. And Ken and me both like the total here. Uh, or can you lean with it? I like it. Uh, and yeah, if push comes to shove, I would want to lean Louisville. My only concern, Clemson, look extremely motivated last week. They heard for two weeks about their struggles against North Carolina. 367 to 43 against Florida State at halftime. That was I, the yard. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not leaning. I like the over. Look at this. What Am I getting? That's a, that's a wrong thing. Look, right here. It my says, goodness. My notes say lean. Man, two likes over right there. You see, can you read mine? It says Fezzik's best bet, two likes I over. I got it. Do you see mine? Yeah, What's you it get, say? Well, that's because you're sitting in RJ's seat. Oh, my goodness. Now I got to deal with what RJ deals with. Now I see why I see. he gets a little upset. There you go. My blood pressure is up five points already. And, and and I was shocked that the line actually dropped a couple points. What do you if, mean? If oh, not, oh, from the total. The total. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We might be a little square here, but I just it makes a heck of a lot of sense. But you know what? I'm not going to disagree with Fezzik's best bet. I, I think it's it's solid. I, again, Clemson worries me a little bit because they look motivated, but Louisville's been a team that that is one of the most improved teams in the country, and I had them. From their end-of-season power rating to the preseason, we're just talking end-of-season to preseason, I had upgraded them more than any other team in the country because of that quit factor from last year. And I've still had to raise Louisville's power rating up another five, six points since the start of the season. This is an undervalued team, like Fez says, and an undervalued head coach. Kudos. You kind of went off the board there a little bit, Fez. I like that a little bit. All right, KT. We, yeah. you and me, like the over. Yeah, first off, it's going to be 70 degrees, going to be perfect weather, Louisville at home, coming off the nice, crazy game against Wake Forest. Now, the thing that concerns me on their defense, which is why I like the over, is you got two of the better receivers in the country, Higgins and Ross, on Clemson, and the Louisville defense just gave up 25 receptions, 330 yards, and three touchdowns to Surratt and Hinton from w- Wake Forest. 
So, I mean, and I love Sage Surratt's one of my favorite receivers. Hinton, the former quarterback, you know, really stepped up last week as well. So those two guys, again, in one game, 25 receptions, 330 yards, three touchdowns against that Louisville defense. Higgins and Ross, those guys should have a field day. Lawrence, good enough to, you know, this is a kind of game that this type of pace favors him to really get some good stats. And, you know, he's used to throwing this year for 170 like he did last week or or 210 or 215, not Heisman stats. They're not trying to get anybody on this team to win the Heisman. That includes Etienne because when Etienne's having a good game now, they bring in Lynn J. Dixon. They give him the ball. They're trying to just make it to the playoff, keep everybody healthy. That's what Dabo Sweeney's doing. He's just building because he knows he's got to come out unscathed out of a weak ACC. But Louisville, definitely, I agree with Fez, good enough to cover. But I think this is going to be a wide-open game. Last week, 62-59. to I remember seeing the in-running line in that game go up to 93-and-a-half. And I'm like, God, man, that's so tempting to go under. Well, I'm glad I didn't. Finishes at 121, for the love of God. So I'm definitely on the over. I'm surprised that it went to the under. Yeah, if it's square, I'm okay. Conley came in, did an okay job running the show quarterback-wise. Malik Cunningham as well. Juwan Pass, he's questionable. I don't care who quarterbacks for Louisville. They're all going to be in that same style. Let's move the ball. Satterfield's going to keep pushing it. And they think they can maybe outscore Clemson. I think Clemson's got you know another thing for them. But I think both teams are going to score. But I do like Louisville to stay inside the number I'm going to get on Fez's play as well. Yeah, Louisville's defense would be a concern. I mean, they've allowed their last three opponents to season highs, 583 yards per game, and 40 first downs to Wake Forest last week. A little bit of a concern, but Scott Satterfield's known more of an offensive guy. And you mentioned it, KT. doesn't matter who's quarterback. It's a similar. There's hardly any drop-off, even with a freshman. All three guys are mobile. All three guys have been much improved from the passing aspect. I like the over, although I'm worried that's a little square there. Fez, again, best bet. Fezzik, Steve Fezzik. You can follow him at uh, Fezzik Sports, F-E-Z-Z-I-K Sports on Twitter. Best bet for him on Louisville plus 24 is what will grade it. You guys have been waiting for it. Not one, but two best bets. Fezzik also likes it, but first we got to hear the song. All right, we're going to Baylor, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State at home, a three and a half point home favorite. KT, your best bet? Yeah, my best bet is going to be Oklahoma State. The Pokes coming off a bye. Spencer Sanders, pretty good quarterback. I didn't expect a lot from this guy at the beginning of the season, but I like what I see. Now, they do come off the tough loss against Texas Tech, and they have a week to think about it. That's not good with the mullet. Gundy not happy, will have his team prepared. They do have one of the best running backs. I think Taylor's the best in the in the business as far as from Wisconsin. But Hubbard, outstanding, over 1,000 yards, almost 1,100 yards, 13 touchdowns, 6.8 yards per carry, and they have two really good receivers. Now, Stoner doesn't get in the end zone much, but he has 24 receptions. But Wallace is outstanding, 39 receptions, 703 and 7 touchdowns. This is a team that should be focused in after watching that Baylor game last week. And Baylor, very fortunate to get some gift calls to knock off Texas Tech. Look, Matt Rule's doing a great job resurrecting that Baylor program from almost a near-death penalty. They lose, though, their number one tackler. And this is huge. This is your signal caller. Clay Johnston is out for the rest of the year. 58 tackles. Nobody on Baylor has more than 30. Johnston, 58. 
a ton of them solo. They also lost their left tackle, the guy that protects Charlie Brewer's blindside. That is major. Still have one of the best defensive linemen in the country in James Lynch, but I'm not sold they're going to be able to stop this Oklahoma State dual-threat offense with Hubbard running it, Sanders running it, and throwing it sporadically. Uh, Jet Duffy did a nice job, 361 yards for Texas Tech via the airwaves last week, and uh, Sir Roderick Thompson also had a big game on the ground for Tech. So I see Oklahoma State moving the ball. Charlie Brewer's been very fortunate, got away with three interceptions last week. Somehow, someway, this team has dodged several bullets. I think it all comes crashing down on Baylor. As good as they've been, they're going to get blown out, I think, by Oklahoma State. I'd see this game as a 17-point-plus win. I'd be happy to, just for them to win by four here. I know. <laughs> judging, I know. judging from my best bet uh, track record so far this season, thanks for jumping on board with me, KT. Maybe you can get me a winner here. I'm also on Oklahoma State. Let me mention a couple other things. Oklahoma State obviously should be good to go fresh off a bye. Off a misleading loss against Texas Tech. Why was it misleading? Oklahoma State minus five in turnovers in that game, in their last game. Misleading creates value on Oklahoma State. What I did like, Oklahoma State's quarterback, he's a young guy, his name's Spencer Sanders. I loved his quote after the game. This is very mature coming from a young kid. This is what he said, Spencer Sanders, Oklahoma State quarterback. I mean, I had five turnovers. Not the offensive line, not the receivers, not the defense. I did. Spencer Sanders had five turnovers. I can't do that. I got to do better. And he's going to do better in this game against the Baylor defense. KT mentioned a key injury. I don't think it's getting priced in the marketplace. Your best by far defensive player out, just not getting over, at least while we're taping this on Tuesday, that's not getting priced in right now at this three and a half number. Baylor off a dramatic, a lot of it used up a lot of energy against that, uh, you know, double overtime win against uh, Texas Tech last week. And this is a Baylor team, strength of schedule, use the Sagarin ratings, strength of schedule, 96th toughest schedule in the country. That's not great. Oklahoma State, number 36, 60 spots better as far as strength of schedule. Add it all up, and we are going with Oklahoma State here. Fezzik, you also like Oklahoma State. Yeah, it's a classic buy low, sell high here. We're going to sell Baylor at a high at 6-0. and KT mentioned it, two really close wins, including a double overtime win last week. So Baylor could easily be 4-2. and two. And let's face it, Oklahoma State, if a break or two had gone their way against Texas, I'm not saying they, they, that they could have won but uh, or that they should have won, but they only lost the game by six, much diff- more difficult schedule. That's why you've got a Oklahoma State team sitting at 4-2. and two. Brad, the beginning of the year, uh, I, I know Oklahoma State was supposed to win seven and a half games. Baylor's season win number, despite the easier schedule, was in the same area. Or yeah, a little it was bit worse. in the same area, seven yes. and a half, eight. Yeah, because of their easier schedule. Yep. So because of the – if you adjust or normalize for the strength of schedule – uh, Oklahoma State was the better team, and I expect at the end of the year, Oklahoma State is going to be the significantly higher team in the power ratings. But now we get the situation. Oklahoma State's looking at that schedule. They got some monster difficult games. They're going to have to start sweat making a bowl game if they lose this game. They've got one sure win against Kansas. So because of that, I think absolutely this one is circled to get the season back on track. Easy win coming. Okie State. There you go. And don't take less miles in Kansas for granted. I mean, teams have done that so far and uh, not come out victorious. One but team, will, Boston College. There you go. But I will say this, that Oklahoma State, that game, that Bedlam game, and it doesn't usually matter who's home field, but that's a game that Oklahoma better be leery of if Oklahoma State is able to get more out of Sanders, hold on to the football. Because with Hubbard, they're in every game. And that offensive line that Okie State has is pretty darn good as well. 
I do have to say this, guys, because I, I teased this. Uh, if I don't win my best bet this week, keep in mind, I mean, I'm not hiding behind the record, but it is 1-5-1 and one so far. Here's what they're going to be saying about me. Got a lot of holes in the desert. Hopefully you guys aren't joining me <laughs> with that one. I, I'm not thinking about good. the handicapper must leave town, and then two weeks later, we get, you know, Mr. Handicap number two showing up with this big mask and this yeah. Auburn beard sticking out below the mask. Yeah. Might have to change my appearance or something. <laughs> Is it time to shave the head soon? Uh, no, not yet. The Maybe best, the beard. Though, Maybe the beard. Oh, we'll wow. see how that game's going. Yeah. Okay, so he did it's it. Not the gonna first be a good game look. of the year, his biggest play was Rutgers against UMass. Now, first off, anybody that bets Rutgers is their biggest play. I mean, you <laughs> have to have done your homework to realize that UMass, this is one of the worst teams. But you'd have never thought it. If you watched the first quarter, UMass came out. They got three touchdowns. They're up 21-7. to seven. Brad had a great number. I think he's laying nine and a half. The line went to 17 and a half. What does he do? I can't get a hold of him. I'm texting him and I'm just nothing. And he's like, the next day he tells me, KT, I shaved my head. I go, what? He goes, yeah, they were down 21-7. I shaved my head. I think they had the game covered at halftime. They were like, but, was no, it 35 when I shaved my head? 42-0. Run out and, after I shaved yep, my head. Unbelievable. Didn't help the rest of my best That's bets. That's right. Though, but this, this, could be, this could be another, uh, the beard could be next. Yeah, it could be. That could be on the. That is going to be on the line this week in this Oklahoma State. I will make a promise. They don't cover. I shave the beard. Yeah, you're. I've good. had it for a while. You'll have the beard next week. Uh, Fez, real quick. I know you got to go to maybe a radio show, uh, KT. But Fez, I, I get it. You're already. I'm already a multi-millionaire. And a lot of people recognizing that G2E, the biggest gambling, uh, I would say, conference uh, out there in, on a yearly basis. You're a keynote speaker in one of the sessions there. Tell me a little bit about that uh, since you missed yesterday's show. Yeah, second year I was at G2E. Great time. Got to see Nolan Dalla, former uh, Harris World Series of Poker director. So hung out with Nolan, talked sports betting. Um, talked to Becky over at um, Bavada, um, and she does a great job promoting the industry. So got, got a chance to meet a lot of old friends over there. But uh, the session they put me in, and, and frankly, our, our last session was really pretty critically acclaimed. So I'm looking forward to where they're going to put me this year. And what do they put me in, Brad Powers? They put me in the session, how can operators maximize sports <laughs> betting profits? So they, um, it's kind of like using your, keeping your enemies, you keep your friends close and you keep your enemies closer, I think. So um, I went ahead and I, I think we came up with some really good suggestions on this. Number one suggestion that we came up with, make it easier for your good customers to bet. So think about when you make limit bets, big bets, oftentimes flags for approval, right? Oh, the game has kicked off. Or if it's live wagering, oh, the game has already restarted. Have an immediate approval. If you've got a customer you know is not going to beat you, take those normal safeguards that you have for guys like me and for Brad and for KT, where you've got to have a trader approve a big bet why do that if you've got a recreational better that's lost with you for years? So we went ahead and suggested that to for the operators to go ahead and only put those restrictions on the new customers and the customers you're worried about, the existing customers that are good. Go ahead and process their bets faster. That, it's all about the betting experience, and that's why they're going to stay at your book versus somewhere else. And then we address the vigorous. The wrong way to try to get a higher margin is to charge more than $1.10 because people, everyone knows that's what the standard pricing is. The right way to do it is try to incorporate 
uh, in the futures markets, go ahead and charge more. People don't even notice when they're getting 12 to 1 on an NCAA tournament team instead of 14 to 1 um, or a team to win their um, uh, division in football, things like that. And bets like that, you can take more VIG. When you're dealing soccer, for instance, don't deal a two-way line. And the European books understand this. Deal the three-way line. Team A to win, Team B to win, or the draw to win. So obviously two of those three will lose, but people are going to look and say, wow, I got plus 175, like it was a really good deal, when in fact they're paying extra VIG in terms of the overall house edge. So just some techniques that can be utilized by the bookmaker. And bottom line is more product. Put up tons and tons of product and limit the sharps from being able to bet very much, but let your recreational players know, hey, if they want to bet on Joey Chestnut, how many hot dogs he's going to eat, or if they want to go ahead and bet a soccer you know, first half under, that that's that's all available to them. And how would you describe uh, the bookies, Fez? Cockroaches, they Cockroaches. are. Cockroaches. Cockroaches, yeah. But you didn't use that term at the conference. I, I, I paled it down, but one of the operators— Paled went, it down to what? Well, one of the operators went, went after me a little bit. They're saying, you know, the reason we have to lower our payouts is because of guys like you, you know, doing the things that you're doing and stuff. So I what don't What are know. you doing? Uh, maybe winning? playing some—yeah, winning. People ask me, you got kicked out of that place. Why did you get kicked out? I said, because I won. That's typical. One thing I did want to address that I think was a key theme at the conference, integrity. Integrity is becoming enormous. So think about it. What did integrity mean 10 years ago? Well, that meant that you go ahead and look for for the most part, suspicious betting activity. Oh, all these guys that we've never seen before are betting on Arizona State. You know, they're wearing their Sun Devil um, uniforms and the like, and they're betting against Arizona State. What is this, you know? And it's it and those suspicious betting activities are very easy to spot when betting on a game from bettors that are brand new accounts or guys who just have historically not bet big. But now with live wagering, it's a whole new game. So think about this. You're putting up lines on will the next serve be an ace? Will um, you know? Will a player make a free throw? And like, think how easy it would be for a player without really impacting a game to go ahead and just at a selective point in time to underperform and think it, it's there and gone. People make a bet and and then it, it just flows away. There's thousands of these bets throughout a game, so this is really a focus in integrity. I think it makes a lot of sense. One, make sure no one can bet after the play has actually occurred. You've got to go ahead and find a way to stop bets because there's a delay on TVs of up to 15, 17, 20 seconds on high-definition TVs. So you've got to shut off the betting before the play actually occurs, and you've got to monitor it so there's not something suspicious going on when you're going ahead and booking things. Uh, It could be as simple as, think about this, it's the end of a game and a team is favored by, like, 31 and their field goal kicker comes out and they're and that team's laying 32 and a half it doesn't matter at all whether or not he makes that field goal unless of course you had a uh, uh, a little um, uh, situation with that kicker and all of a sudden he misses a 38 yarder that he makes three out of four times things like that that's steve fezzik and, and you can tell can you tell fezzik's voice inflection goes up when he's talking about this kind of stuff. Yeah, I could tell when uh, Jamal Williams sat on his butt last night on the one-and-a-half-yard line, Fezzi, that that was just... uh, Chuck Edel also was on Green Bay, and he texted me, and he said, Detroit showed their hand too quickly by letting him... All of a sudden, I don't think Williams knew, but the light went on when he got to the two-yard line, and maybe somebody said something, let him go, or something like that. Something happened to where all of a sudden... 
he stopped <laughs> on a dime and just, sat just, down. Just to reset it for Go everyone who, who didn't see it. Sure. So the situation is that Green Bay trailed by two. There was about a minute and a half to play, and the it, because it was first down, Green Bay could run out the clock and just take knees and then kick the field after Detroit exhausted their timeouts. But they wanted to get a little better field position for their kicker, so they went ahead and ran the ball right up the middle, and Matt Patricia correctly had instructed his players, don't tackle them, let them score. Because think about it, now they get the ball back, they need a touchdown, Detroit does, but a minute and a half, and they now, still would have had a time, I think one timeout left, or not, even if they had none. Would have needed a touchdown, would have been trailing by four or six, Probably had Detroit would have probably about a you know maybe a twenty three percent chance at that point to win the game just throwing out a number and as opposed to a five percent a five percent of of, at most for the kicker missing the field goal so but what happened is that the actors for the Detroit Lions are very (laughs) poor they they did not have a thespian background because when Williams the backup running back for the Packers hit the nine yard line that as I like to say and R J hates this analogy the Red Sea parted and. And Brad, obviously, you could have yeah. walked in kind of like that um, those heartwarming um, uh, videos you see when they let the you know the kid from the hospital score and all the players yeah. are pretending to tackle him. That's yeah. how they looked. So it was so clear that Williams, like whether he'd been instructed or nice, you know, just, I don't think he did. I'll that, sit right down yeah. here on the two, and then they kicked the game-winning field goal. All right. Anything clo- closing thoughts? No, we're all going to. I mean, we're all going to. Hold on. Bets. No, I do have one more question about the G two E. Uh, so you had to sit next to a couple of the operators? Yeah, they're operators. Not the operators, bookmakers, all providers that? Providers for the operators, the regulators. So you weren't in a good – but what were you feeling like? I – Did you feel like you were in a good position? Well, I'm not used to wearing, you know, a jacket. So yeah. I was sweating a little bit. I'm not going to lie. I smelled a little bit, but uh, I got through it. justifiably in a position that I'd rather not be in. I'll give you credit, though. Hopefully, I'm not in a justifiable position. I'd rather not be in by shaving my beard come Saturday afternoon. You know, one conclusion we had is that, and I think this is going to happen within the next four years, betting on the election. Why are we allowing millions upon millions of dollars to be bet in other countries? 2024. And not being bet in the U.S. Think about what the handle would be. I'll go as far as to say that it would be— Super Bowl almost. Oh, I'll go. I'll go ten times higher. Really? Ten times. Super Bowl's one day. That's true. The election people could bet on now. It, yeah. It's it, 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 it's and, and people they have, have to. the strongest. How can you have an inside op- info? You can't. People have the strongest opinions on mm. the election. I, and I have even heard that seven years ago, um, the that there there was a theory that people that money was coming in on the Republicans. Just to make it look like they had a chance, they wanted all the odds on the exchanges to look like instead of them being a ma- a monster underdog that they were just a more modest underdog. Mm. I like that. You like that, KT? I love it. All right, that's going to wrap it up as far as the Week Eight College Football Dream Preview. RJ Bell will be back for the NFL along with Steve Fezzik. Brad Powers might be there as well. In fact, he will be there because I win. Here's the thing: I don't win on college football, my specialty. I am perfect on the NFL when it comes to best bets so far this season. Got to continue to keep that rolling along. One more thing, KT. Yeah, if you win your best bet, which would help me out as well, since we have the same best bet. But I say that Fez is here and RJ's not here. We keep doing that until you lose the best bet. Ooh. I say we run the streak. All right, yeah. we'll see if that plays well. All right, we'll try that, guys. Thanks for listening. Uh, any feedback? Hit us up on Twitter. 
at SportsX Radio for Ken Thompson, at Fezzik Sports, F-E-Z-Z-I-K Sports, at Brad Power 7. Pleasure talking to you guys this week. We'll be talking to you in the near future. Thanks for listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday, NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit PodcastOne.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for RJ? You can contact him directly on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week.